G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. If you want to live a fruitful and fulfilled life, it's important to understand your call in God. And everyone has a call. In today's program, we're going to see what it means to give God a worthy response. Our series is entitled, Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary. We are beginning chapter 7, and chapter 7 can be actually called Theology of Ministry Part 5, Call to Repentance and Comfort. I believe everybody who names the name of Jesus has a ministry call. It doesn't have to be full-time, credentialed, recognized as such by man. What it needs to be is inspired and led by God. And people who fulfill their call, whether it's in the pulpit or in the marketplace, are the most joyful people around. It's a worthy response. This chapter, and I'm going to focus on the first five verses, 2 Corinthians 7 verses 1 to 5, it speaks about response to the promises. The promise that we are the temple of God, the promise that God has adopted us. So what is our worthy response to this glorious promise of the indwelling of God and his adoption is that we are to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Actually, this is telling us some wonderful, glorious things. The appropriate way to respond to God. And again, remember, it's not the outward actions. It's ultimately the heart. Actions are important, but they have to correspond with what's in the heart. To have outward actions, but your heart is somewhere else, is toying with hypocrisy. And Jesus, in no uncertain terms, condemned hypocrisy. It's almost as if he's saying there's a special corner in hell extra hot for the hypocrite. You could almost hear the words sizzling from his mouth when he denounced hypocrites of his day. Well, we don't want to go in that direction. The actions of our lives must correspond to the sentiment of our heart. Because we have these promises, we cleanse ourselves from filthiness, filthiness of the flesh, which is outward, and filthiness of the spirit, which is inward. No sense cleaning one without doing the other. And we perfect holiness in the fear of God. Friends, when you have the fear of God, you are perfectly safe on God's territory, and you have nothing to be fearful about again. But we're also told in this passage to have our hearts open, have our hearts open to God's true messengers. Paul, in his day, and of course, God's true messengers today. There's many or at least Jesus predicted, there will be many false prophets, false Christs, false teachers. We need the discernment 
to know who's the right legitimate versus the illegitimate. But those that are legitimate, we need to be open to and we need to honor. It's really that important. And the true apostles, the true ministers, say that they have God's people in their hearts. People who are doing things in the ministry for affirmation or for gain don't have people in their hearts. A corporate mindset that's more obsessed with numbers and money than with nourishing the flock of God so that they grow and bear fruit do not have people in their hearts. We need to do as Paul did. And that's why Paul also spoke of his great boldness. He speaks boldly in his speech. He is upfront and direct. And not only is he bold in the speech, but he boasts, not in himself, but what God is doing and what fruit happens in the lives of believers. Because after all, the great boldness is done despite circumstance, and great joy is engendered despite tribulation. For true joy defies circumstance. And yet, Paul's comfort and joy is remarkable when you consider what he faced, especially in Macedonia. Conflict, inward fears, and yet joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is our lesson in Cameo. But now, let's take a look at the passage at hand. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 1 to 5. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 to 5 reads, Having therefore these promise, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you, for as I said before, that ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side, Without were fightings, within were fears. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Maybe not the happiest note to end on, but believe me, it does get a whole lot better. Let's begin with verse 1. Having, therefore, these promises, dearly beloved. Let's remember that the Corinthian church, with all its wrestlings with worldliness, heresies, tolerance of immorality, and the like, They were dearly beloved, beloved of God, beloved of the apostles. And they're so beloved because the proof of it, among other things, is they're given these superlative promises from the Almighty, that he will dwell in them. When you consider that God is dwelling in you, friend, then you carry him wherever you go. And if God be with you, in you, and for you, nothing and no one can be against you. It is a great promise. Furthermore, we become part of God's household. We are his sons and daughters. We are his adopted sons and daughters. Therefore, we are heirs with Christ, or co-heirs with Christ is probably the correct terminology, as well as heirs of God. What is our response? Of the presence and indwelling of God in our lives, we are the temple of the living God. Consider how such unworthy people could be bestowed the greatest of privileges. So how should we respond? Since the holy creator of the universe has chosen to dwell with us, we need to do some practical things. And remember, the Bible can be very, very practical. Good for practical Australians, New Zealanders, and anybody who wants to put the word of God in action. We need to cleanse ourselves from filthiness. First, There is filthiness in the flesh. This is the outward, visible filthiness that comes from carnality. 
both extreme carnality and even mainstream carnality, living in the flesh. And anything that smacks of sin, decadence, bridled or unbridled sensuality, pornography, lewdness, worldliness, all these things and more should be cleansed from our lives. Even if they've been lifelong habits, we can make a decision to get rid of them, and by the grace of God, we will. We won't necessarily be able to get rid of them in our own strength. It's not intended that way. We're meant to partner with God. But with God, we will overcome these things, even if they've been ingrained and habitual in our lives for many years. Remember, there's power in the cross of Jesus to overcome this filthiness. There is power through the Holy Spirit. That's why it was given to us in the first place. There is power having the Word of God in our hearts. We overcome through this. There is power in cleansing through the shed blood of Jesus, which is appropriated to us by the Holy Spirit. There is power through confession, especially confessing our sins, but also even more importantly, confessing the Word of God out loud for us to hear and for the devil to hear. To do it regularly, habitually, is is healthy. All these things, and plus having prayer, prayer in the Holy Spirit makes you empowered so that you can be strong. Remember that the Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. So the antidote for weak flesh is prayer and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. All these factors help you to say no to filthiness of the flesh. It is also possible to look outwardly clean, yet be inwardly corrupt, because this was the verdict of Jesus. And as I said earlier, this is what we call hypocrisy, where the inward person is diametrically different to the outward appearance. Actors, of course, do this all the time. But you never call an actor a hypocrite, at least not what they do on stage, because we all know that what they're doing is an act. But that's why the second response is even more essential. To cleanse filthiness in the spirit, the inward person means to forsake lust, anger, covetousness, worldly-mindedness, all these things need to be jettisoned. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, is an immensely big help in this regard. It is a passage that I have quoted for years on this program. Romans 12, 1 and 2, that because of the mercies of God, that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And we're not to be conformed unto this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, in summary, in order to cleanse ourselves from filthiness of the flesh and spirit, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And of course, our bodies is the outward person. At the same time, Concurrently, simultaneously, we give our minds to God for renewal. The renewal of our minds is the inward person. This is appropriate. It is a God-honoring response to His gracious act of tabernacling in us. Praise the Lord for all that. We are to perfect holiness. Holiness doesn't mean we are joyless people who never have fun, long looks on our face, wearing rather drab, dull, light clothing. No, that's that's not what holiness means. That's an outward form of holiness, which may or may not conform to the true God-honoring inward holiness. Holiness means we living apart from the world, and we're living fully 
for God. It's as simple as that. And I tell you, some of the most holy people I know are the most fun-loving, real people with a sense of humor and joy in life. And they are holy. They may not necessarily dress in a particular religious garb. In fact, they may dress very casually, but they're holy. You can tell by the way they live, by the vocabulary they speak, by the thoughts they think, by the actions they make, that they are in sync and in tune with Almighty God. It is not bondage to be holy, and you're not missing out on life's best to be holy. That's what the devil would love you to dearly believe, and he's a liar in all these things. Oh no, to be holy is to be in God's presence, where there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Oh no, the joy of the Lord will be your strength when you perfect holiness in the fear of God. And remember the fear of God? Proverbs 9, verse 10, is the beginning of wisdom. We are told in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 2, Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. So just as the apostles have been open-hearted to the Corinthians, they're appealing to the same attitude in return. Remember, people tend to be open, even as Christians, or in many cases, unopen even as Christians. But in order to grow, you have to open up. It's sort of like the the flower that's all closed off for the winter, but the springtime has come. If it's going to bloom and take and fulfill its complete potential, it's got to open up in the light of the warmth and the sun. So do we. Let's not be unopened, closed-minded, in a clique, playing it safe, staying in our comfort zones. Forget all that. Let's open up to God and to God's servants. The apostles say they have neither wronged, corrupted, or cheated anyone. Then it goes on to say, I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Setting a leadership example, the apostle says that the Corinthian Christians are already in their hearts to die and live with them. Rather unusual phrase, but the point is that the apostles have the Corinthian Christians in all seasons in their heart to die, to live, whatever, and they're going to be together as we all who believe forever and ever. Now, because of that, verse 4, great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Now, that has to be something. Joyful in tribulation? Let's see how it works. Paul is open-hearted, and he says he has great boldness of speech towards them, the Corinthian Christians. As I said earlier, it means he is upfront, he is direct, he gets to the point. He doesn't do so in, in a mean, nasty way, even though it is strong. It can't be mean or nasty because Paul loves these people. After all, didn't he call them dearly beloved? And he's not fake in this. He is very sincere. After all, he is one of God's conduits of truth that comes through the scriptures. So he tells them that he boasts on their behalf, almost like a beaming proud father boasts about the accomplishments of his children. He has great Holy Spirit comfort despite all circumstances and great joy despite tribulation. True joy always defies circumstance. It is not subject to circumstance. If you want to learn more about circumstance defying joy, there's a whole New Testament epistle written about this. It's called Philippians. How to have joy 
in all circumstances. We have a teaching on that you can get through our website, Audio Commentary. With this, despite the circumstances, verse 5, what does it say? For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Paul's comfort and joy are miraculous. When you consider what the apostles faced, the comfort and joy came despite circumstances, especially when they came to Macedonia. Their bodies had no rest, and they were troubled on every side. They had outward conflict. They had inward fears. But despite all this, there is boasting, there is boldness, there is comfort, there is joy. God allows adverse circumstances, not to torment us or necessarily to punish us, but what the circumstances do is they propel us into the presence of God. Think of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, Hebrews 4, 16, that we are to boldly come to the throne of grace where we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's nothing like a little trouble to either harden you or to soften you, to harden the brick to melt the butter. But for us, trouble should just mean we come boldly to God, His presence, His throne of grace, where everything we need is provided. And in that grace is boldness, boasting in the Lord, comfort, joy, peace, love, every good and perfect gift. Our lesson was entitled, A Worthy Response. Our lesson for life, we have been given a high and holy calling. Therefore, The only appropriate response is to rise to the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations, Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles on the Bible, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're teaching us a worthy response and how to have the good things of God despite circumstances. Help us to learn these lessons quickly so we can share this comfort with others. Through Christ the Lord, amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley, 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.